Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. On the record today, we have a special guest, Nobel Prize winning economist, and he's going to be speaking to us about the ongoing West Bengal elections. Four phases are already over. And we are exactly halfway through to get uh, Professor Sen's uh, opinion. We're joined uh, by him all the way from Harvard. Thank you so much, Professor Sen, for speaking Thank to Hindustan Times. Um, I wanted to ask you, how closely have you been following the Bengal elections? Well, as much as is possible from this distance and the time differences, because quite often when there's active time in in Calcutta, <laughs> it's um, passive sleeping time here. But to the extent possible, I have been and trying to read newspapers like Andhra Patrika and so on. So I've been doing my bit. Very exciting, of course. Yes. And I know that our listeners, our readers obviously know this, but you are from Shanti Niketan. So you have deep roots and perhaps, uh, you know, great attachment to everything about the state. Uh, uh, so I wanted to ask you, a lot of people in India across the country are really watching it closely because it's been pitched as the battle for Bengal, as the battle for the soul of Bengal. Everyone, all sides are claiming that they are the ones who represent and can defend the real Bengal. What do you make of the type of electoral fight that you're witnessing this year? Well, it's a it's an extraordinary fight. I can't think of another occasion when an election in a in in a state or what used to be called a province, and that's one way of thinking about Bengal as a province, has generated so much interest that the prime minister seems to be almost here all the time. Uh, and at least if he goes away, then he comes back the next day. And so is the Home Minister. So obviously, this is something that the central government attaches a tremendous importance to, uh, which is unusual. On the other hand, uh, it's not so unusual that the locals, the Bengalis who live here, think the election here is really an important thing. Uh, but the two together has produced a kind of dynamite confrontation, which is really quite rare in the history of political elections, uh, not only in India, but anywhere in the world, I would imagine. Sir, I wanted to ask you, a lot of people are talking about the fact that, you know, why is it that Bengal witnesses such... Uh, violence 
while conducting its elections. Um, the violence and the threat of violence is one of the reasons that our poll panel uh, actually decided to conduct this over eight phases, which is unprecedented, really. Um, other places not that uh, large uh, are uh, not that much smaller. Uh, you know, they're able to conduct it in a single day. Um, just in the last phase, we saw firing by the central forces and people being killed. Can you help us understand, or perhaps to people who are not that aware uh, or closely aware of Bengal's history, about why the reason is that elections are associated with violence, uh, and it doesn't matter who are the political players uh, or who's in, in power there, whether it's the left or now the Trinamool Congress, why is it that we have so much violence when it comes to elections in Bengal? Well, I think we have to distinguish between the different uh, parts of your question. I think it's taking whatever number of days it is, eight days or something like that. I don't think that's because Bengal is more violent. I think that's because the election commission wanted it divided and there was strong fetter. And if you see how the election is going, where the prime minister goes away and does a little bit of work for, for his prime ministerial role and then comes back next time in time for another part of the electoral uh, approach here. This is something in which uh, the central government clearly uh, has some ability to participate in, the, in every activity in a way that wouldn't have been possible if it were a one-day election or two-day election. Now, I don't know whether that was the reason for the um, uh, uh, election commission doing it uh, in this form. A lot of people in Bengal who, as you know, are rather uh, critical of the election commission, uh, partly because of the, the way the uh, peace and order situation has gone and, uh, and uh, even the firing that we talk about in Britain, one fire for Bengalis, all Muslims having to get killed. It's easy to think about different things, and I'm not going into that story, but it's not the case that it is only the issue of peace uh, in Bengal and the absence of it that makes Bengal prone to having it and aid this scenario rather than for similarly sized places the one or two day scenario. There's a element of political uh, reason involved in it, and we could discuss that too. The as far as the Bengal uh, um, electoral fight is concerned, uh, I don't know that. Traditionally, Bengal has had more bloodshed in, in, in elections. Uh, there have been many fights over Bengal over the years. If you think about the history of the British Empire, the British Empire was established in Bengal. 
to start with in in the in in the, in the, with the battle of Flossy. Uh, there were fights going on between um, Siraj, the uh, last king of Bengal, uh, and the British. Uh, and then when the, when the revolt began, uh, the Indian National Movement, a lot of the violence uh, in trying to get the British out, had its uh, roots in Bengal. So there's a historical tradition too. And, uh, you know, Bengal is also divided between Hindus and Muslims. That has not been traditionally a big divider. On the contrary, if you go back all the way to Bengali culture, even the beginning of the Bengali literature in the 10th century, for example, you would see that the intermingling of Hindus, and at that time uh, came the uh, Muslim settlement in Bengal. And quite a, the main ethic, the Ramayana and Mahabharata, the main translating um, initiatives came from the Muslim kings in Bengal, who were very fond of the, uh, of the ethics too. So there has been a tradition of a Hindu-Muslim unity from time to time intercepted. The British were quite keen on a division between Hindus and Muslims. It used to be called divide and rule. And there is a certain amount of that going on now. If you take a thing like the Citizenship, uh, New Citizenship Act, uh, that is not particularly popular among Muslims because they don't have the rights that the Hindus uh, are given in this. And that generates not only discontent among Muslims in Bengal, but also among Hindus who are very strongly involved with the cause of secularism. After all, Bengal with Rabindranath Tagore and Netaji on the board had been committed to secularism in a way that's quite remarkable. And so any violation whereby only Muslims are shot in a particular uh, incident involving uh, police from outside uh, and so on, it generates a, a sense, uh, or, or either that or citizenship law, which discriminates against one group. Uh, or a major party trying to win election where the party leaders say, well, we don't expect Muslims to vote for us. Why not? That raises all kinds of questions. So there are reasons for tension that we have to think about. And these are not necessarily to the detriment of the civilization of Bengal, because secularism has been a very, very big cause in Bengal. Uh, if you're looking for poets, the most famous poet is the Tagore in Bengal. But the next one is Kazina's Rule Islam. And the magazine in which he used to publish called Lango, The Flower, uh, the thing of top and the masthead every, every time was a whole 
foreign Bengali poem from 15th century, which said, Above everything, a human being, and there's nothing above that. So the division about which God, which religion is avoided by placing humanity in, in that tradition. That is a tradition where people feel perhaps uh, 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 too rapidly, but definitely have reason to concern, be concerned with the, uh, with the um, 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 uh, cause of secularism not being uh, affected. And secularism is very much in on the on the ground in the battlefield in the Bengal election. So the eight day episode has many aspects uh, and they are interesting and someday there will be a very nice book I hope about the Bengal election. But they have to look at all these things rather than saying, oh Bengal is a lot of violence. That's why they have it for eight days. That is not the story. Sure. Professor Sin, you know, you bring up this whole aspect of how the polls have become polarized. And that definitely seems to be one of the themes that, you know, one of the key, um, key uh, tools uh, that the BJP uses in many of its election campaigns in many of the states. But I just want to you know, tell you about, I don't know if you've followed it that closely, but one person who works with Mamata Banerjee's team, with the Chief Minister Trinamool Congress's team, having a conversation with journalists, in which he was heard talking about the fact why Narendra Modi, why the BJP may be doing much better than expected this time. It's because he said that whether it was the Congress or the left, uh, or whether it was the Congress or the Trinamool Congress, They've all done appeasement of Muslims, which is why the Hindu voters in Bengal feel that let's just give the BJP a try. Let's vote for a party which looks out for Hindu, uh, for Hindu rights or the interests of Hindus, because for long, for the last 20, 30 years, it's been appeasement of Muslims. That's what he, and he's somebody who works with Mahmoud Abanaji. So it's not someone, this is not the propaganda being, uh, you know, being served by the BJP. This is someone in the Trinamool Congress or works with the Trinamool Congress. And this is what he felt. To what extent would you agree with that, sir? Well, that seemed to me to be a very um, approximate history. Uh, Bengal has been a divided ground for a long time. When the British partitioned it early in the 20th century and wanted a Muslim part separated out and they hoped that there would be support from the Muslims in Bengal to uh, have a part in which their numerical dominance would be acknowledged. What did the Bengalis do? Bengalis, both Muslims and Hindus, were totally against it. Uh, and it's one of the poems uh, about uh, uh, 
the unity of Bengal, Avasuna Bangla, became later the national anthem of Bangladesh. So there is a long history in that. And the, uh, it, given the fact that Muslims have been traditionally a lot poorer than Hindus and Bengals, uh, as been uh, demonstrated uh, by various studies, uh, there is a need for justice in dealing with it, uh, in, 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 in looking after the poor, looking after those who are get in the, in the rougher end of the, of the pyramid of justice. Now this is important because um, as people like Netaji Suhasandamur always pointed out, that it is important to see who are the poor in a, in a region and what can be done to help. Now, some of the concerns with the Muslims came for the same reason as their concerns for Matuas, like the Navasudras and the Hindu uh, low caste or the Hindu-related tribal population and so on. So I think this whole idea that Muslims have had it done and now it's for the Hindus and we will teach them a lesson is maybe, I don't know, you didn't mention the name of this gentleman. I hadn't seen him say that exactly. I had looked at his thing. He had been quoted a number of times and basically it had been three sentences and stopped and not proceed to what some people went on to say. And this is also in a, a small quotation. It doesn't matter whether for that before is the person saying it or not. Uh, if he's saying it, he's making a mistake. Uh, and and uh, the reason is that you have to look people in terms of privileged and underprivileged. Indian government itself had made Muslims underprivileged so that if you are being maltreated, outside India, you cannot also uh, home in India as Hindus can. Uh, and, and that was part of the elect, uh, part of the citizenship reform going against the constitution that was introduced. Now, in these circumstances, you have to take a fuller picture. I don't think the idea that Hindus have been badly treated and Muslims should be better treated is uh, a straightforward truth. Uh, it is certainly a part of the propaganda of the Hindu party, uh, the party that generates Hindu thought that Hindus have been neglected, which is a bad thing to happen. Uh, and therefore, we have to look after Hindus and neglect the Muslims. That had not been the approach either of the uh, of the Congress or the CCM, not the approach of anyone either. Uh, it's certainly the approach of a Hindu oriented party. And so what you're quoting is not so much historical analysis, but as party propaganda of a party which stands for the Hindutva 
and says, well, the Hindus have been neglected. Muslims have been given all the cakes, all the cream, all the delight. And it's right to give Hindus better treatment. And that's why the funeral uh, is doing so badly. First of all, it's not clear that it's doing badly. I won't comment on it since the elections are still on. And I think we have to look at it from a broader perspective. Professor Sen, you talked about, when you talked about the Muslims, you also talked about other underprivileged communities, for example, the Dalits, um, backward castes. It's interesting. Do you, you know, what would explain the fact that, uh, and Mamata Banerjee's government is known for welfare schemes. Some of them have been very, very successful, whether it's Konnashri, some others as well. But, you know, if we go by the 2019 results, um, and even this time around as well, they count uh, in other states as well, and Bengal they're counting on as well, the votes uh, of Dalit communities voting for them, uh, SCSTs voting for uh, the BJP. What would explain that, Professor Sen? Well, I think they were, uh, I think the BJP was much more successful in uh, in being able to get um, uh, relationship established of an electoral kind uh, in this. And then certainly that is a matter of praise for political election on, on, on BJP. Just as they were much more successful in some areas connected to get the tribals more involved. Uh, no one had neglected the tribals and the low caste as much as the upper caste Hindu political group. And for them to be able to establish a relationship that worked with their advantage showed a certain degree of organizational uh, success, which is certainly admirable. But combined with that, we have to see what exactly is going on. Have they, is the record and say, you see, give us reason to believe that the upper caste Hindus do not tolerate, do not, uh, do not maltreat the, the Dalits and Dalit women, do not rape them, do not, do not cremate their bodies of the killed even before a, a police investigation proper has taken place. That's not the case. The Hindu uh, upper classes and the record of treatment of the Dalits and the tribals has not been typically all, all that great. And there are, um, uh, throughout uh, Indian history, there are these varieties of experiences. And I think it's it's it, to the credit of, 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 of the Hindu party that despite their natural handicap, uh, whether we talk about fights near Bombay with Korigao and so on, uh, that despite that, they have been able to play this game very well. But I wouldn't read that as, as historical uh, uh, establishment that they... Um, the Bengal left or, or towards the left 
have uh, been treated, uh, the drivers worse than the Hindu party have tended to treat. While talking about Muslims, Professor Sen, you mentioned the underprivileged. Um, I want to ask you, why do you think then that the BJP counts among its voters, uh, the Dalits, the SCSTs, uh, they're really counting on them. And in fact, these communities voted for the BJP overwhelmingly uh, even during the 2019 elections. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question because what happens electorally is not just a matter of what um, preceding justice there was uh, in a particular uh, area. It depends so much on the organizational facility. Um, one of the interesting things to look at very far away from Bengal or UP would be, say, Kerala. Kerala had more untouchability, more caste division than almost anywhere else in, in, in India. Uh, the idea of even unseeability going well beyond untouchability was known in, in Kerala. And yet, because of ultimate organization, in this case of the left, um, uh, the, this, the caste situation changed radically over time. And it was possible for the Communist Party, which ignored these caste divisions, uh, to get support from all the caste upper as well as lower. Now, I think we have to, uh, we must not ignore the enormous role that political organization plays. Hindutva has been a very dynamic uh, political movement. Uh, I will not agree with their foot, but I certainly admire many of their organizational features. And they were successful, not in all the elections, you were to only one of them in which they were successful, but there are also other elections in which Hindutva was not successful at all in, in Bengal. So for the non-Hindutva parties, for I, what I think of a traditional Bengali secular party, like of which Netaji Suvastanda Bosch could be a, a, a sponsor, a, a supporter for such a party, you would say that you have to look at both the nature of the speech, the message, as well as the organization of how you get different people to be promise this and promise that so that they believe you and it is possible for you to get their support. As happened with some tribal areas, for example, take Tripura, the tribal population could be uh, captured by BJP in a way that CCM, which had good relations with them, uh, didn't manage to maintain. So I think we have to look at this organizational side and that's why it's, um, if you were to ask the question, if Bengal is so secular, how come you end up 
uh, a situation in which a Hindu party, uh, whether they win or not, at least could be counted as a possibility. Uh, that's because of the organization thing. I don't think I would have ever seen a, an election of a province in which there have been so much attention paid from the center, from not only the prime minister, home minister, and, and, and the uh, chief minister of the largest state in India uh, coming uh, every other day, as it were, but also spending a lot more money, which if you, of course, does have more money to spend, uh, and making good use of that. So I think I would tend to look at it uh, that way. That is neither a reason for um, um, hopelessness, saying there's nothing we can do, uh, because there is a lot. If you believe in your, uh, in your principles, including that of secularism and non-divisive uh, justice. You have to work for it and also work for it in a way that your own principles could resonate better with the with all the groups, whether they be Hindus or Muslims or whether they be Dalits or non-Dalits. Do you think, Professor Sen, then, um, you know, certain, certain uh, you know, crucial mistakes are made by the state government, which gave an in to a party which, you know, a Hindutva party, which you're saying um, uh, is, is very unlike the nature or the essence of Bengal. Uh, do you think certain mistakes were made? For instance, um, you know, the whole thing about um, Mamata Banerjee in 2017, uh, uh, saying that on a particular day, there will be no Bisarjan because it was Muharram. Uh, then, for example, on a completely different note, uh, you know, uh, uh, my colleagues have been traveling for election reporting and they point out that many people are saying that, you know, they didn't appreciate the fact that they were, that the state had blocked central schemes like the farmers benefit, you know, the direct, uh, the, 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 uh, the money that was sent to farmers, that entire um, scheme was blocked by the state. So do you think these were key mistakes which created uh, angst among the voters? Well, I think um, um, there may well have been a mistake. I haven't studied it in particular. Uh, there are also been achievements. Bengali peasants still have a better health condition than the Gujarati peasant, uh, despite being poor. Uh, and there have been some delivery issues. The, the food distribution have tended to work quite well and so on. So there are a number of ways there again and, and losses. You know, we can't say, for example, obviously there have been some mistakes made, and I believe there has been, with the way the farmers treated in India. But that doesn't mean that they, uh, that the farmers are lost forever to the central government. They still managed to win elections at the central level. And so it's not such a simple thing because it's very easy to explain yes. saying, okay, this is it, that mistake was made, and this happened. Uh, we should have a, when we are politics, 
doing political analysis, we have to search for the truth. And we have to have some humility also in saying that we may not, what looks immediately like an answer may not really be an answer. We shouldn't go around uh, yes. riding a horse saying that here, here's the answer. You see it in our, in our so, so, sir, I, I have I have last two questions. One I want to ask you because, you know, uh, I'm speaking to a Nobel Prize winning economist. I wanted to ask you, sir, that, uh, you know, if we saw Maharashtra where the BJP lost, um, uh, you know, their, their partners left from different alliance. And in that, am I, am I making the wrong kind of connection and saying in Maharashtra, they were, they were able to defeat the BJP. The opposition was able to defeat it because of the fact that they spoke about the, the poor state of economy. Uh, they spoke about farmers' issues uh, and, and what was happening in the markets, in the mandis. And that clicked with the voters. They stuck to their agenda. They built up their own narrative, the opposition, and that worked. Whereas in many of the other elections, the BJP is able to push through its narrative, get people talking about its issues. And if that is uh, something that you think is correct, then do you think that the BJP is able to make its, you know, it's it, it's able to have its dominant narrative this time by talking about Jai Shri Ram, by talking about the CAA, instead of how the Trinamool Congress has fared with the economy in the past 10 years? Yeah, I think that's a very interesting question and, and well, tentative answer. Um, I think in the Maharashtra, there are certainly a um, lot of electoral smartness sold by the anti-BJP, uh, the, uh, the uh, coalition of the, um, of the NTP Congress and, and Shiv Sena. And, uh, and, and and that was also uh, very smartly managed. And whether there has been similar smartness in Bengal on the on the side of the BJP, I don't know because BJP didn't need it. It's not a very much a coalition party. It tried to uh, go in its own direction by. Um, uh, particular type of conversion. Ram, as you point out, uh, has become a new thing. For that, you didn't need a coalition. What you need is somehow Ram is, who is not uh, a big icon in in Bengal, um, certainly reflected as a, as a hero of the epic, but uh, not an icon. But it, if you, how can you build this up? There are a lot of tactical issues here, and some of the tactical issues have certainly gone in that direction. But you know, things are not permanent. It could easily have gone in a different direction. The Jaisriyam has come in, how long it will last, there's a song connected with Durga Puja, namely Matui Thagvikasakon. How long will you be here? That's a question because, of course, unlike in, in, in many worshipping 
the uh, the uh, image of the god is drowned in in the case of Durga Puja in the in the in the water. Uh, uh, CPM had no rival for more than twenty years. Did they know something which others didn't? And what happened to that when one election suddenly, after having won the previous one tremendously, one election suddenly got all sunk? Uh, I think there's the possibilities of varying tactics and strategies which we have to consider. We also have to consider why we are trying to do it. What are the principles? And what really makes a reason for success? I think when there is a secular party which regards an, a BDP, which is um, a, a Hindu non-secular party, I'd say, um, and a secular party, another one like um, Trinamore, to be exactly the same, there's no difference. I think then the assessing secularism is making something of a mistake there because there has to be a difference between a secular stand and a non-secular stand. And in Bengal, where secularism and Hindu-Muslim unity has been such a big factor uh, that we cannot forget. So I think we mustn't read more into uh, the successes, uh, though we ought to know uh, how come in Maharashtra this happened? How come it didn't happen in Bengal? How come in UP, where Dalits are treated so badly, they managed to win? Hindutva mm. party. How come, going further back, Kerala, with the worst untouchability, could generate a communist government rather than and 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 could bury their untouchability, unseeability in the past. There's complex question you're asking, and I'm delighted you're asking them. We ought to look at that. But I think one thing is clear in my mind that in understanding a long run uh, equilibrium of Bengal, a situation where Hindus and Muslims are divided up. And this may come, as Jinnah said, belong to two nations. I don't think that is a, a, a good position. I don't think it's a stable position. And it's certainly not a position I would like to support. And we'll see what would happen in the elections. Um, but right now, when a um, lot of things going on, including, I believe, a number of organizational decisions connected with electoral arrangement, which have not been entirely fair in my judgment, that we could easily raise questions uh, of, um, uh, of a purely uh, institutional type as opposed to matters of principles. And I'm very keen that we are going through a time in Bengal where principles are really important. Um, when Sri Rajdhana 
the last emperor, last king of Bengal, Muslim king, was defeated by Clive. <coughs> Clive on his way to Plassey writes a letter to Sayadullah saying, I don't mean to fight your war. Uh, in fact, you were lying. Clive was just entirely preparing for a war. But he said, why don't we come to peace? Consult your friends. When you say your friends agree that there's no point in fighting. And he then mentioned, uh, consult your friend A, B, C, D, E. He mentioned uh, seven names, of which six are Hindus and one Muslim. So this is the Muslim king's last Muslim king's last friend. And these are six Hindus and one Muslim. You don't get the impression that it is an is is a king who is trying to advance the interest only of Muslims and ignoring the Hindus. Uh, you know, it's a lovely we have, story. We have had a tradition in Bengal of trying to be even-handed. Uh, from time to time, it's fallen, it, as it did in 1946. And Gandhi had to come and lament about the state of Bengal. Tradition that we shouldn't do. That is of secularism from the Muslim community. As I say goodbye to you, sir, I want to ask you, uh, did you feel irked, worried, or, you know, part of the game when you featured, um, you know, when the Shantiniketan University named you as ha having occupied more land than you should have? And, you know, are you expecting it to get more and more political? Because you're a known critic and anyone who's heard our interview... Uh, has probably guessed it if they didn't know it already. You know, you're, you know, you're a critic of the BJP. Uh, are you expecting, you know, wh what was your reaction to that entire thing? I know that you released a statement calling it political. <laughs> we have a house in Santa Niketan, um, which um, consists partly of leased land from the society and bought land from the neighborhood from people who are ready to sell that freehold of land. Uh, and we have a house there. The Santaniketan Visovalti land uh, is about, is, is on a lease of 100 years. And that was uh, bought in 1940, I think, or uh, leased in 1940 or 41. Now that, uh, uh, that was measured and done by Visuality. Uh that was, we had an exchange, we didn't have anyone measuring land there. Uh, then uh, that stayed and they went on perfectly well about that. Uh, even recently there were exchanges referring to our land as a part the, the bit of the Visuality land. Suddenly come from nowhere, some idea that about 10 or 15 years ago, there was an enormous mistake made in the land, not just ours, but many other people, like, um, uh, well, many other um, families were named, who also have this land problem. 
And where they got it, I don't know. And then they kept on saying, we are occupying this land. Now, one of the proofs is to say, let's measure this. You see that not all of it is visualized. Of course it isn't, because we bought a lot of land from outside. And therefore, there was no reason to expect all of it will be confined into the leasehold. Because we did buy uh, at least as much uh, from outside as we leased from the society at that time. Then they kept on saying they will get the West Bengal government to come and let them. Well, first of all, the West Bengal government had no great interest in trying to measure this. But also, I can take, I can go to your home and say, look, this is the visual land. Let's get West Bengal government to come and measure whether it's yours or it is mine. It's a very peculiar way of going about it. I was worried, not just because of the, uh, of the, uh, the harassment and the time waste that was involved in it, but it came from the university. University ought to be able to have a better intelligent way of understanding problems like land holding, like problems like history. The fact that land is not only lean but also bought. When you see that not present, uh, there is a fear about what the standard of the university might be like. That's why it is. I was also worried about the waste of time. And then the enormous speculation that it generated. Uh, some people supporting me. In fact, most people supporting me. I haven't seen anything very much written against me. But no. why, why spend your time doing this as a vice-chancellor rather than concentrate on educating uh, and running a good system of education. It was a saddening experience. Sadness. Well, Professor Sen, I hope that gets sorted out very soon. Um, thank you so much. It's been there such a pleasure. To out. We didn't raise any questions. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Living yeah. where we are, uh, sure. if someone has to sort out, you may have to come with uh, with a with a tank. Don't be. Uh, of the house. Mm. Sure. Thank you so much for taking your time to speak with us. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Very much a pleasure to see you, Zanetta. Thank you. Well, that was a conversation and that brings us to the end of this episode of On The Record. If you would like to share your views on it, do tweet me at Sunetra C or at HD Smartcast. Send in your feedback. And I'll be back with another episode. So join us then. Goodbye. When did Chennai win its first cup? In 2010. Who won the orange cap last year? KL Rahul with 670 runs. If you too are a cricket know-it-all, then play the Crick Bazi contest. Watch Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel and win exciting gifts on the daily Crick Bazi Ka Bazigar contest. Crick Bazi on HD Smartcast YouTube channel. Click on the bell icon to never miss a chance to win. Subscribe to HD Smartcast for more podcasts. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. 
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.